What's good, y'all? Welcome back to the Playmakers Corner Podcast. I am one of your co-hosts for today, Simon Villanos. And I'm the other co-host for today, Cody Stoffer. And we back at it with more QB1. We got episode 789, and we are going to stop right before the finale, but this is obviously wrapping up to the finale, which, spoiler alert, is really good. Probably one of the best finales to any football documentary series in recent years, at least. Cody... That, I mean, I don't know. You could agree, you could disagree. It's up to you there. I'll let you decide right now, right? Uh, we're, uh, I'll make the, I'll make the listeners wait till next episode because I'm like that. I'm rude. And that's why I'm the better host. But we're going to hop right into episode <laughs> seven. We are going to hop right into episode seven. It is homecoming week. This episode might as well be called homecoming. It is not. I don't know what it's called, though, but we're going to talk about it. So... The episode basically starts out with Spencer Rattler. You know, they're taking uh, pictures. I don't know if it's senior pictures or just, like, uh, homecoming pictures. Uh, I Usually, I feel like senior pictures are a little bit later, but that's just me. But either way, they're taking pictures. It's an interesting time, I would say. There are, there are some interesting... <laughs> There's some interesting moments, Cody. If you have anything to say here, go for it. Well, okay. It's wholesome. Okay. I think. Well, okay. No, well, no. yeah, it's, it's a mother it's, it's and her child. It's, it's definitely wholesome, Rabbit and like you get to see the child, not the mother. But go on. Anyways, <laughs> anyways, you know, Spencer and his mom are, are taking some senior photos, and it's just wholesome. You know, you get to see that more of that family side of Spencer, and yeah, I'd say that's basically the most that his family is basically involved for the rest of the show, arguably until like some finale stuff but yeah no for sure so it's good stuff to see uh by the way episode starts off with some pep rallies and i'm gonna be honest it's been kind of a minute since i've had a proper pep rally i'm i'm gonna call out unc they don't do it right at unc i would just say that they don't do it right there compared to new orleans phoenix even well, okay, this isn't that big of a surprise. But even at Cardinal Gibbons, they were turning up. High school pep rallies are just a different monster. I think we could both agree on that, right? Yeah, you and Sco Bears, but no, I wasn't scoing to any pep rallies here. <laughs> but anyways, yeah. Um, well, that's you know that's that's just life, you know. But anyways, they they started off the episode popping off with all that, uh, all across the board. I would say it was very good editing. I'm just gonna throw that out there because. I feel like we have to I, we haven't praised the aesthetics enough i think we did it a lot at the first episode and then kind of just you know tra- trailed off a little bit trailed off a the little bit. storytelling of this show is phenomenal yes plus <laughs> oh, yeah. and the shots back it up oh yeah and the editing you could already tell it takes a lot of time my little brother uh by the way follow villano's visuals uh <laughs> my little brother he does some of these stuff professionally and he was very impressed. It's obvious something. It's obviously something that is very high quality. So we're just gonna leave it there and move on. And so basically, uh, while we're t- uh, talking a little bit more about Spencer Rattler here, uh, because it does kind of open up with the photo shoot, and then they get talking. And it's I, I want to say it's talk at practice, talk when they get to the bottom. But basically, it's all the same subject. They are talking about him potentially breaking. Well, not potentially. He will be breaking. The passing yards record all time in Arizona history. And I want to say all time that record is over 10,500 passing yards. If, if, if I'm right there. Which is still a lot because 10,000 divided by or 10,500 divided by four. 
you know, that's a good 3K a year. Every, well, wait, 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 sorry, not every year. It's like 2700-ish. Yeah. But that's still, it, that's year, assuming though. that you have a four-year job, you know. Yeah, so. every year, though. Like, freshman to senior year, which is still impressive. And you got to remember, too, this is episode seven. I don't know what game it is at this point, but they're a little over halfway through. So they still have, like, four games after this. Plus playoffs, because I assume that's how the records uh, work there. But, you know, just looking at you know how spencer handles himself talking about the record obviously it's a little bit of a different i don't know it's a little bit of a different scenario because at this point you know he has to throw was it 27 or yeah, 37 like, yards it was 27 yards i believe yeah and he was joking about like man what if i don't throw for 40 yards <laughs> in this next game which you know i, I mean he was kind of joking but there's a little bit of, like it was a very humbling situation for, for sure. Spencer. Like, the way he handled it was really, like, you know, like an 18-year-old would. You know, like, it was very special to him, and he didn't want to mess it up. Yeah. And it meant a lot to him. For sure. But it's uh, interesting, because we really didn't hear a lot about this record, you know, throughout this whole season, really. And maybe that's how the producers, like, framed it and whatnot. I'm going to throw that out there, because I already know some of y'all, uh, Nick Scalzo fans out there if there are any would be like oh well they framed it a little bit different for spencer because he's a five star and that's that's who he is because he's a five star i'll acknowledge that right here and now but also spencer went about it in a way where he just felt like he was going to break like there is no like oh i keep me in coach another like overtime period for me to score. like no like spencer was very he's, much like i got it he's already missed a whole half of a game a little bit over, or, right. or a little over a half of a game you know mm -hmm. when like i mean he could have played on a sprained ankle but he didn't yeah because it doesn't mean that much to him yeah he could have broke this record against jay sarah which would have been arguably a better narrative keep that in mind that would have definitely been a better narrative going out of state playing one of the i wouldn't say a powerhouse but playing one of the better uh schools out there in california and breaking the record against them that'd be legitimate in a lot of people's eyes even though it's a career passing record so it really doesn't matter when you do it you just gotta do it eventually right but uh, I, that's all i'm saying though it's just a very different vibe his attitude approaching you know this record-breaking performance and all that and uh maybe it's because the record is a little bit different as well you know it's a more of a career thing rather than a you know in-game type of deal which is fine but you know it was just different. And Cody, I bet you could agree. Um, is there anything else you wanted to add on there? It definitely meant a lot more when Spencer broke the record to me than when Nick broke the record. Yes. And that includes the behind the scenes of it too. Yes. Like it was very minimal talk before. Yeah. Like it got straight into it. And then, you know, he, he throws that first pass and it's like, oh my gosh, there goes the record. On his very first pass. Yeah, because it was like a 40-yard game. It wasn't a touchdown, was it? It wasn't a touchdown. Yeah, because homeboy got caught. But still, it was <laughs> a really good 40-yard game. Great pass, all that. And so, boom, there it goes. It's out of the way. And then, uh, you know, this wasn't a good team <laughs> either. This was probably their first easy team, I would say, for Pinnacle. I do not remember who it was, but... I, I don't know. I kind of feel like that's how football seasons are supposed to go. You schedule an easy opponent on homecoming week and then you beat him and then you have fun the next day at a dance and that's how it goes uh because i, I don't know why but all two 
two? All three, no. All three of the different high schools I was low-key involved with in Colorado all scheduled like rivals their first, like for homecoming. And I don't know why. Three, bo- all three There's... of them lost too. So they went 0-3 in homecoming week. So personally, and I didn't play in any of these games, by the way. So I'm not involved in any of them. But I always thought it was weird how... Um, how my school or whatever team I was involved with never won a homecoming game. Well, if you, like, you schedule your rival, you know, it's, like, double or nothing. You know, like, it's twice as sweet. That's low-key a little stupid. I don't know, because you want to get seniors in, too, right? It's one of those games where it's, like, okay, you have senior night, which is the last home game, right? And then you have homecoming night. You know, those are two guaranteed games where you got to get your seniors in, at least as a coach, I feel that way. Right? Yeah, I, I could definitely see that, but I can see the appeal of scheduling a rival as well. Okay. And we'll talk about it a little bit coming up, too. Not on this episode. Though. Yeah, on this episode. Oh, really? Um, okay, well, we'll talk about it on this episode then. Um, Let's uh, let's wrap up this Spencer Rattler noise here on episode 7. So, we'll, we'll keep it pretty easy. He breaks the record. After that, they're definitely messing around a little bit more. Spencer runs one in, I think, on a QB sneak. It's his birthday, by the way. Oh, yeah, and so it's his birthday his record well. day, his birthday, birthday homecoming. homecoming. You know, he's he, he feels, like, chosen on this day, and, and everything. You couldn't write it better in, like, a fictional sense, I don't think. Yeah, but it wasn't annoying either, though, you know, because... I, I don't know about you, Cody, but I've definitely had teammates who played on the birthdays, and sometimes they're they're a little much. It was a genuine birthday story experience for a genuine guy. Yeah. And Spencer Rattler, and that's why it wasn't too much. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, he got in there, caught one, threw one, ran one, did the whole deal. Yeah, when he caught that one, oh my gosh, dude. That was so hype, bro. Yeah. That. On that double pass, because he leaked out. I was like, oh, he's going to get it for sure. Going to get that catch. Yeah. And so it was, uh, you know, it was a good night. It was a good game all together. Uh, By the time that happened, I think it was the third quarter. So I think after he caught that one, he just came out and, you know, let JD take over. And that's, uh, by the way, that's another perk of having a very good quarterback. You know, you, you could feel good about taking out your starter and, Putting him in a little early just to, you know, ease the nerves a little bit because the sideline relaxes and then you just play in football. Yeah. So, so, yeah, but very good game. Um, What happened at homecoming dinner? What do you mean what happened? Well, I mean, I'm talking about his leg. Oh, uh, okay. So it didn't happen at dinner. I made this note. That's what you're talking about here, right? Well, yeah, I'm saying he brought it up. Yeah, he brought it up. So here's what happened. So Spencer and his girlfriend. He... I think it's for homecoming dinner. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Who's Spencer's girlfriend's name again? Because it's not Olivia, like it's like I said last episode. It's Yasmina, dog. Okay. Okay. Anyways, Yasmina and Spencer they go out to dinner. I don't know if this is right before homecoming or you know earlier in the day, but either way, they go and it's a pretty like background conversation like it's definitely a clip like this whole scene here where you could have looked over a lot of things because it's just them talking and you're getting to know spencer as a character as a person and you're getting to know his girlfriend and that whole dynamic as well but 
one thing that he puts like he kind of just drops in there he drops in there right before they dip out and so if you're not paying attention to the scene you're gonna miss it but he says man my leg is a little hurt or i'm a little hurt he talks about being stiff and you know screwing it up in practice or something like that is what he said um and i'm pretty sure that's it like it was very like like quick like you wouldn't have noticed it otherwise if you weren't paying attention to the scene I think they keep it for a story that develops a little later on. And so... Which may or may not add up. Yes, but it, either way, it is, it is a part of the story and it is a little thing that, like, you re you recall it when when we're learning about the other news yeah. initially. So you're like, hmm. Yeah, but it still doesn't add up. So just keep that in mind. It's episode seven. That happened right after their homecoming game. So I assume it's the weekend at this point. Uh, before practice before he practices or plays again or anything like that so um there you go but that's basically spencer rattler and his story in episode seven cody do you want to take it away yeah sure so we head from you know phoenix arizona down to the bayou mm -hmm. and um we, we have warren easton for their homecoming game and uh, <laughs> i mean they they smacked around this other team really hard i think you know lance had one of his best games of the year obviously he was running wherever he wanted to he was throwing to whoever he wanted to they were calling whatever they wanted their defense was dominant and their homecoming uniforms were pretty clean too yeah this was like, a confidence booster all around for everyone like because at that at this point in the season, like, you're not really sure if Warren Easton has what it takes to make State, necessarily, like... Yeah, you or, know they're a good team, though. You know they're good, but it's like, you haven't really seen them dominate. Like, we've seen, you know, we've seen Pinnacle hang up 50 on somebody. We've even seen Cardinal Gibbons smack someone around. I think it was, like, Miami Central or something like that. It was a team that was very important that week. That's for sure. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> Matt, freaking coach Matt. But uh, you know, we we'd seen both of those teams like dominate on every in every single aspect of the of the ball and, and the game. And you know, yeah. Nick with his six touchdown game. Say what you will about what the record means, but he still did throw for six touchdowns. I'm pretty sure uh, Brody threw for like another one or maybe even two in that game. Yeah. So like, we've seen everyone else every. Uh, one of these other teams shellack somebody and we didn't really have that for warren easton yet and then they went <laughs> this is disrespectful to be laughing but they won 64 to nothing i don't even remember the other school's name because i'm if you get beat 64 to nothing bro that that ain't worth being remembered for but anyways but it was rivalry <laughs> week two so there is history behind this win i'm pretty sure they well. were like in the same city but there is no grit and grind to this game at all not this matchup yeah it was obviously they came out and they're like hey we're gonna smack these fools around and make a point because like you said you know they didn't have a big blowout game or whatever but even if you do have a big blowout game you know you just the vibe of the team they have different expectations from I guess what fans or outsiders might be seeing and we kind of feel that as well because the coaches give out those expectations and vibes as the show goes on as the season goes on really leading up to this point even though they have a winning record you know and they're i, I want to say they have two more wins than losses at this point 
it feels shaky. The season feels shaky because each game feels like it could flip on its head and they could get whooped in a minute. Or they could it could flip the other way and they could win in a minute. Like you, you said know? in one of the last episodes, people are clicking, but no one is clicking at the same time. Yeah, and so that's, you know, you could tell it's a good team because one person will take over while another person's struggling. Uh, but, you know, great teams, they, they just throttle people and that's it together as a squad and there ain't no struggles you just do it like a like a cherry creek they did that a lot uh, in colorado that is yeah. cherry creek did that a lot either way you know they got a good dub here they won 64 to 0 it's a big confidence booster it's the type of game where it's like okay you know just so it's clear we are a good team and we're gonna prove it by hanging 64 on these fools and making sure that you know next time just so when you're looking at that schedule that 64 to 0 dub is there. Just just so you remember. You know, just so you remember. You gotta, you know, you gotta make sure that it's known when you're playing around. Because then you eventually hit a team that feels like they're much better than they are. And that's a dangerous game to get into. We can score nine or ten touchdowns. Yeah, exactly. At any point, at any point. Yeah. You know, we could be down 30 and then go off and score 64. That's what you, that's, it's mind games at that point. It's but, the height of their potential. Yeah, essentially. for sure. And as a player, I, I'm just going to throw this out there. You really shouldn't be worrying about, you know, mind games and hanging all those points and whatnot. But I think as a coach, if you are trying to establish a culture of winning, if you are trying to establish a football culture, a specific way, you need these wins and you need to make statement wins here to prove that you are that guy. And that your team are a bunch of dogs that could put a whooping on anybody if they if they get caught slipping, you know. So there you go. But that happens. Um, I think Cody, you missed this. You missed this in the list, but uh, I put down here that no ugly quarterbacks are allowed. So yeah. So yeah. Okay. <laughs> During this, um... we are going to objectify men on this next segment, and so if you don't want to listen, you don't have to. But we're going to do it anyway. Well, I was about to. We are just commenting on what we Munchie and Lejean, what they said. First off, man, why do they have to call out my boy Peyton Manning like that, bro? Well, you gotta back up a little bit more the, well, they said They were talking about, like, no ugly quarterbacks allowed. And then they were talking about, like, are there even ugly quarterbacks? Successful. Successful ugly, ugly quarterbacks. quarterbacks. And they called out, they said, Peyton Manning. And then Lance... Bless Lance. Lance was like, he's, he's not ugly. And then Munchie no. was like, what about his big forehead? And I was like, <laughs> dang, bro. Like, I said the same thing. Low-hanging fruit, bro. Relax. That's a like that's a Hall of Famer. Bro. Anyways. <laughs> let's disrespect someone else. Then they said Andrew Luck. <laughs> which is crazy back, because Andrew Luck. Back when Luck, Andrew Luck was playing. Yeah. He's been retired for two years now, which is wild. Yeah, it's about to over say. two years now. Was it? Is it really over two years? It's about like this next season's about to be over two years. Because remember, the cycle three six five came out for the first time. This podcast, the original version of this podcast, came out literally maybe a couple weeks before Andrew Luck retired. Because I did a raw reaction. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Scroll through, scroll through Instagram to find that one. I believe, right? It should be like yeah. one of the first first posts. We should uh, back when our um, founder composition looked a little different. Throw this out there. We we might make it a poll. Do you want to hear some of those throwback uh, Thursday clips? We can make it a throwback Thursday or 
throwback tuesday type of deal where we just post quick clips it doesn't have to be the whole episode but take you know a minute from it we'll yeah. keep that in mind but simon in his tank top in in the dorm but anyways uh um, pinning it yeah it, they, they start bad-mouthing andrew luck and they're like, yeah, he's always talking like he has walnuts in his mouth. <laughs> <laughs> and then, yeah. then they start doing, uh, yeah, we play really good out there today. <laughs> they start doing No, it. Andrew like talks a little bit more nasally. That, that's what, that's they what they're doing. Yeah, yeah they're like, he's like he talks like li- like like a nerd. Almost. But like, but like also like his mouth fall. Like it's like a combination. I don't see that. Yeah, so that was a throwback back when Peyton Manning and Andrew Dang. Luck were still. You know, playing, talking. Playing. Well, I mean, Peyton was retired, but they're oh, still like right. talking about him. And Andrew Luck was at least in the league. But yeah, crazy throwback times. But they are low key right. And by the way, they started talking about this because they were talking about homecoming and looking good and getting fresh and all that stuff, which is important to keep in mind here because Lance was arguably the freshest looking guy out there, even though he was arguably wearing the most minimal. Um, fit out there. Clean, very clean. Minimal, also, clean, all of it. Uh, on this episode, on the Instagram or Twitter, uh, re- reply to to this episode's thread or comment section and tell us who you think the ugliest quarterback is. <laughs> Who's good? We'll we'll the, make the, a poll. Yeah. We'll make a poll just <laughs> for fun because off the bat, I'm thinking Matthew Stafford. Oh, he does have a good looking head. Yeah. And on some days, Big Ben. But when Big Ben gets cool. cleaned up... Every day, like Big a... Ben is ugly. All right. Because he's an ugly person. Well, we might as well but anyways. Drew Locke out there. But anyways, let's, anyways, uh, let's get so, back to it. Yeah. Uh, then, once again, you know, we, 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 we do the whole football thing. And then, like, the off-the-field. They do a great job of balancing off-the-field camera work and on-the-field camera work. It's one of the best aspects of this show, I think. It's like it's like perfectly balanced, in my opinion. Yeah, it's to entertaining. Get to know them. Yeah, and oh, like still oh, be engaged. Yeah, yeah. So you know, you get to see Lance, and like, you know, he goes to the barber shop, and they they help clean him up, but they also get him that that shine, that bling, you know, and uh, you know he he goes in and tears it up there at homecoming. Yeah, both on and off the field. Also, Warren could Easton's, be taken a couple different ways, well, but War, yeah. Warren Easton's freaking homecoming is like the most classy homecoming A I've ever seen and B hilariously more classy than the other two schools. Freaking Cardinal Gibbons is basically a rave, bro, which is what my well, school's homecoming was like more or less. Really? Well, okay, not quite to the level of Cardinal Gibbons, but it definitely was miles away from from Warren Easton. We, we might take a minute here to talk about homecomings because I feel like it's a regional thing because, you know, Miami, Florida, that's expected. Colorado, that's kind of expected. When you put down in the south, like New Orleans, Texas, you don't know what these are. Well, I, actually, I might as well ask you, do you know what mums are? No. Mums? Like, okay, so they're like, kind of like, uh, shoot, I, I never asked out a girl to homecoming, so I wouldn't know. But they're like, but they're like a bouquets that are circular, and there you add a bunch of extra stuff to it, and you ask out a girl, like the guy usually, um, and you know gender norms, whatever. But like whoever is asking out somebody else, and they're handing this person a mum that you usually kind of put around your neck, like it's it's hard to explain. We I will show you later, and we'll post something later, maybe. 
maybe not. But basically stuff like that. If you like know, that, you know. Yeah, but basically stuff like that, huge big dresses, like that one girl who was wearing that big poofy dress down the literal red carpet, that's that's pretty normal, I would say. And yeah, that's that, a culture there, thing in There ain't no there ain't somewhere. no red carpet. Homecoming dresses here are usually slim and then homecoming guys like they're not wearing suits to homecoming. You know, it's just like whatever button up you have, basically. Grinding it out. But you know, I still be wearing my shell toes to homecoming. Anyways, um, but That's yeah. That's pretty much it about Lance. Yeah, I was about to say. It was, he went to the wrong side of the car when he went to get in because he forgot <laughs> he had a license for a second. Yeah, he was like, oh, I was about to get into the passenger seat. <laughs> but yeah. I think the most exciting. Um, homecoming game oh, or, uh, or part of this homecoming episode was actually Cardinal Gibbons which is not something you'll find me saying about a lot of episodes but you know there, there's a lot of build up to this and there's a lot of I won't say drama but there's a lot going into this week that will make the outcome look really clowny if something happened like so yeah. just to so, I mean, you mind if I set the set the background Go here set the scene so Cardinal Gibbons is playing against American Heritage, who is like their rival of all time. And Nick is 0-4 against American Heritage, including, was it the state championship that they lost to them too? I uh, believe like- No, no, no. It was like, the game right before state. Okay, so the semifinal, yeah. they lost in like triple overtime by like a single point or like a single field goal or yeah, something like- 55 to 54. Yeah, 55 to 54. They lost by one point. To this team so like everyone on cardinal gibbons is licking their chops at this game nick especially is like it basically i think that this is when what nick realizes his legacy is actually about is if he's going to beat american heritage because they're yeah. i mean it's also about state but also like they were they lost the last nine years or something in a row to them no no at this point or actually that might be true as well but at this point, Nick said that the last two years, they lost to them four times. Which means, and they're not in their district. So even if they were in their district, they wouldn't have met twice anyways. So that Well, they play in the means, regular season and they lose in the playoffs. Yes. Every time. Yes. So the last two years, so recency bias is a thing. But the last two years, uh, basically in Nick's mind, they have taken out against the same squad. Which, by the way, is a nationally ranked team. And it's consistently good. Shout out to my boys, Carson and Ray Ray. So there you go. Um, but they're always a great squad. They have like, bro, they, their line almost always has a five star on their team. I don't think I've ever like followed an American heritage team that didn't have a five star like defensive line or linebacker or some dude who's just like six, six, like 280 pounds. And they move like a running back. That's who they are. They're a powerhouse, and they're the team to beat in in Florida. Like, they're just one of those powerhouses. And so, if you are one of our Florida listeners, you have heard of American Heritage. And it's definitely, character-wise, the most focused, for better or worse, that I yeah. have probably seen. Like, he takes it very seriously this time. Yeah. He doesn't take a lot of other... Th he doesn't take a lot seriously in general. But he's taking this game seriously, maybe a little too serious. And Simon, I know that you have something to say on this because he skips his English exam because he needs to, quote, focus on American heritage. 
And he's like on the phone with his mom. And he's like, yeah, mom, I'm not going. She already knows I'm not going to class because I need to focus on American heritage. And his mom is like, <laughs> this is important for later because of this other conversation he has. But it, she's all like, bro, like you are not doing good enough in English to not be going to this class. Like you need to pass this class. And he's like, don't worry about it. Like I'm, she already I'm, knows I'm skipping. Yeah, she already said. knows I'm skipping. So it's going to be fine. So Simon, give I we locked eyes during that part, and we definitely had some words to say. But I'll let you comment on it first. Yeah, I'll I'll give him a little bit of the benefit of the doubt here and establish a little bit more backstory. So they, there is a moment in this episode where I don't know if it's Nick or one of the coaches. I think it's actually Nick, but they say we had two goals this season: win state and beat uh, Heritage. Those are their two goals. And I know where he's coming at because I remember back in my day in Texas, that was our goals as well. Win state and beat Allen High School, the Allen Eagles. Whoop them in their nice little $60 million stadium and all that. Teach them a lesson uh, because they needed to be taught a lesson. Because at that point, you know, just where I'm from, we've dom. I mean, my school at least or where I my city, uh, we dominated football for about a century. We basically won a state championship almost every decade. We have like seven or eight, and they're there, you know. And so we're just built like that. And so Allen coming up was the, you know, young, happy-go-lucky team that won one in 2008. That's when my older brother graduated. And then they went on and won like three or four in a row with uh, Kyler, won another two or three with a couple other guys as well. And so our mentality during that time, before Kyler went on his run, was, okay, if we could beat Allen, and if we could beat, you know, them in their house, we're winning state. Because either way, just how, you know, how the playoffs were going to be uh, structured and all that, you know, we would have played them in the regular season for sure. And then obviously whoever has the highest, like, record in the division gets a higher seed in the playoffs. That's how that worked. Right. But eventually, no matter how high of, high of a seed we got or where we were ranked, we would have ended up clashing with Allen again because that's how the regionals work in Texas. Colorado does it totally different. They don't care about areas and stuff like that. Texas obviously is, is a lot bigger. And so that's that. And so I understand. I understand where Scalzo, where Nick is coming from saying like, all right, we need to beat Heritage because your mindset going into these type of games is... I want to put a whooping on this fool and make this dude cry. Because not only not only is this a measure of where my team or our team is as a squad, but it is a measure of how good each of us are individually as well. And so if you win, there are two things at stake. Number one, it gives you, you know, a confidence boost, right? You could agree with that, right, Cody? Absolutely. Beating your rival, no matter who it is, especially if, like, you lost the last time or, in Nick's case, if you've lost to them the last four consecutive times, it, like, you're hungry for this game, and then after you win this game, you're like, okay. It's like getting a monkey off your back, and it's like, okay, now I can beat anybody else in the state, really. Exactly. Especially against a team like American Heritage. <clears throat> Exactly, for sure. So you have the confidence boost. Number two, you know, people know who you are when you beat a juggernaut like that. Like, if if for any... And th there's never a moment where we came close to beating Allen. I'll just tell you that. There's definitely one point where they hung 70 on my squad. I wasn't part of it, just to be clear. Because I was in Colorado. But... <laughs> 
But my boys, sadly, I watched as Kyler Murray dropped an easy 70 on them and then subbed out. And then they dropped another 15 on them. That's just how it was. But if you do win, it's a statement game. It's saying like, yo, they were the big dogs before, but not anymore. They can't be beat. And we already did it. And we go do it again when we see them in the playoffs. Wait, so they don't want to see us. Yeah, they don't want to see us. That's what it is. They don't want to see us. And so you have a lot of emotions. You have a lot of bad blood for sure. That probably makes up a good majority of your emotions, you know, you think. And uh, at this point, also Cardinal Gibbons, they kind of need this dub. Or... This is actually, for the first time all season, a must-win game. Yeah. This is the yeah. this is the point where the coach should have said it. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Because the out-of-state game, at least in my opinion, it usually doesn't matter. That's more for, you know, your state. National and all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is fine, you know. But when it comes down to actually, you know, the road to state, this is a game that you need to win. Ain't no close wins. Ain't no more wins. Like, nah, you either win or lose, bruh. Either win or lose. Screw that. You know what I'm saying? Beat, beat him. That's it. And so I understand where he's coming from there. Um, but I, as an educator as well, because I am a teacher, why are you skipping class, bruh? <laughs> if you're a real one, you just make it happen when, it, when you gotta. And you do it. Make it happen in the classroom. Make it happen on the field. If you can't switch that switch on and off when you come off the field or whatever, then you just ain't that good, to be honest with you. And that's who you are. And he said that he needed to skip class so he could watch film, but then he goes out to a restaurant with some alumni and his dad. His dad is not saying anything, by the way. And he's not watching film, he's watching highlights, which is low-key what we do. <laughs> but but we supplement with we supplement that with actual film as well. Um, but that's obviously... Well, well we're not game-planning, we're reflecting. Yeah, yeah, but that's obviously not what nick is doing though he's just watching highlights of himself <laughs> so so kind yeah, sorry go ahead go well i'm just saying there's definitely yeah. concern on like what is he actually doing you know it's it's a reoccurring nick moment is what i would say it's a mentally weak moment in my opinion like this is if you didn't know before this is probably the point where it's like okay and it's no, you know, bash against him, but it's just facts. Like, he doesn't have the mental or emotional capacity to separate football from real life and to prioritize and to do what you got to do. Kyler Murray ain't no, he ain't skipped no, like, English test for, for any game. I'll tell you that right now. I know that personally. Tate Martell, even though he's arguably more problematic than Nick, arguably, he never did that either. Johnny Manziel never did that. Like, I, I could go on and on about Texas quarterbacks who never did that. You find a way to get it done. If you if the if the pressure of rivalry week is getting to you this much as a senior, you ain't built like that, bro. Maybe you need to take more mental reps um, than anything at this point. So, mental toughness matters. It'd be one thing if he skips this time and then, like, he actually, like, if he took this time and then, like, actually was doing football the whole time you know what i'm saying but he wasn't even doing that the whole time you know what i'm saying also they're playing at home so it's not like they're traveling or anything like not that that's an excuse but if you're traveling and you're like hey like i can't like i'm traveling i got pet like i i kind of get that a little bit that's more. like a team thing though you know like the whole team will be able to not go to their like fifth hour class or something yeah for sure and i i get that a little bit more but it's like two days before the game 
and you're like down the street from your house, bruh, like, or from the school, whatever. So I don't, I don't know. There's no excuses here. You just don't skip class like that. Yeah. Now college. Well, <laughs> we're not gonna talk about all that. We graduated. Okay. We graduated. That's what matters. And uh, with degrees. So we get to game time. Yep. And the first, the first person all year to say what Nick needs to hear says it. I don't remember if it was. I don't remember what position this guy coached or like what assistant, like what side of the ball he was on, but it was an assistant coach. And he tell he like looks him in the eye. He puts his hands on Nick's shoulders. And he looks at him and he says, Hey, for this game, like he said, I was going to say stay in your lane, but he literally says, stay inside your box. Quit doing too much. Go, go out there and complete the passes that we call. Roll out if you need to roll out on plays that are designed rollouts quit running around and i quote from the the great coach free quit running around like an idiot and like just just play football relax basically and and quit trying to do too much and it's the first it's the first person on this entire team that tells them that 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 we see in that, this document that i've seen well because you have like his dad is an enabler. His teammates are enablers a little bit. It was like, yeah, just just win this game for us. Like, everyone basically treats him like a god. And then this assistant coach is like, bro, I don't want to. Basically, this coach gives Nick the talk like, I swear to God, if I lose to American Heritage again, I'm going to go work for them, bro, because I'm sick of coaching. You're sorry. <laughs> you're it. you're it. sorry. <laughs> Get this team and getting smacked around every year in the playoffs. So, like. Like, stop, bro. Like, just win this game, bro. I, or I swear I'm going to retire from football. Like, this coach is fed <laughs> up. Like, I'm losing to American Heritage because Nick is probably being super extra. But anyways, so that happens. And... Before the game, obviously. Before, yeah, before the game. And then we get into game time, and it was a good game. It was one of the best games on the, sh on the show, I'd say. One of the better yep. ones. Top half easily, maybe even in the top... Like top five. two, top three. Yeah, I wouldn't say sure. top two. Top two is easily defined for me, but okay, okay, yeah, that's and, fine. Go and, on. And one of them is the Jay Sarah game, and the other one you're just gonna have to listen to the next episode to find out. But anyways, so you know what game it is. Go on. <laughs> hint, hint. But anyways, you know the uh, the opening drive goes goes pretty good, and Nick is they score settled. Right? Yeah, they score first. I'm pretty sure. Was it a touchdown or a field goal? I, I it was I a touchdown, I believe. Okay. Well, anyways, they strike. And, you know, Nick is playing exactly like the coach told him to. He's not, like, running around and improvising and stuff like that. Like, he completes, like, two passes from the pocket. He rolls out when he needs to. And he completes, like, uh, I think he hits a really nice comeback route, actually, on this first drive. Mm-hmm. Uh, to, the good to the left side, which, you know, being right-handed, throwing across his body. Coming, like, he was very sound on this opening drive. And, you know, it's a very back-and-forth game. I know American Heritage grabs the lead. And then, Simon, I'll let you explain these points on some, I guess, something that you shouldn't do against a rivalry team. Yeah, so this was a not, it wasn't like the highest scoring game. It was maybe like less than 20. 
I want to say it might have been 20. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not going to say the score right now. But it was a pretty low-scoring game. And there was kind of reason to that. They were struggling a little bit here. So basically what happened, so they scored the first drive. I think the next drive, the Heritage doesn't score and they get the ball back. And Nick is out here obviously hunting for, he's hunting for flags is what he's doing. And so as a quarterback, when you are doing that, um, at least in my opinion, what you're doing is you're pretending to like, pretending to run for more yards and then you step out so that homeboy so the defender hits you late in quotation marks and then you know you flop or whatever and be like oh ref what what, what is that you got to call it both ways ref that's what they always say and the coaches were doing that too and you know they're like oh ref what are you doing after they told nick not to do that which is hilarious and in my opinion in these games you can't mess around and be cute. This ain't the NBA, bro. This ain't even the NFL, college football, whatever. Forget hunting for calls, bro. If you a real one, hit the mother... Hit the team in the mouth and win, bro. You need to be the aggressor. You can't wait for them to throw a flag for you. You can't wait for them to call offsides, holding whatever. If you a real one, throw the fool off of you and win. That's it. And Nick, stop... God, stop acting like LeBron is what you're doing. You're like flopping whenever you can and whatnot. If you go run, run out. If you go run forward though, or like, which in my opinion you shouldn't because you already have a history of injuries at this point, you know, run over a fool, make a point. You know what I'm saying? Because guys are going to get hyped. Sorry, one sec. Guys are going to get hyped if the quarterback runs over a linebacker or something crazy like that. You know the, the sideline's going to be hopping. But go ahead, Cody. Facts. No, and I agree with everything you said. And then I'm going to throw a little bit of shade up here. Uh, you have to be higher rated than three stars to be getting those calls. That's just yeah. how it is. Like, bro, you may be God's gift inside of that Cardinal Gibbons locker room, but American Heritage doesn't care about you. And neither do those refs, honestly. Like, that's just how it is. So Yeah, when you are in this kind of, like, game, like, you have to have the mindset, like, look, Tonight, I'm a brawler. I'm a battler. You know what I'm saying? Like, it don't matter what they call or whatever, what plays they call. I'm going to hit this fool in front of me and we finna win because I'm just better. You got to have that kind of confidence. If you're hunting for flags, you obviously don't have that confidence. And you could say, oh, he's, he's trying to play the game. He's trying to be gamey and be strategic. Like, no, bro. This is football. It's brute force, dog. Like, you got to be about that life. And if you ain't, it's going to show. Because low-key, they should have scored three straight times and put these fours away early. But instead, they were out hunting for calls and being like, Oh, ref, late flag. Oh, ref, that's holding. Oh, ref, offsides. Like, no, just play the game, bro. Like, you, like forget it. Forget it. You just got to play the game, call your place, execute, and win. Like, ain't no excuses and all that, because you already embedding excuses in your brain if you are trying to hunt for flags. You are giving yourselves excuses to lose by even thinking about these. That's how I see it as a coach. I swear to God, if, I see, if I'm a head coach and I see any of my assistants doing that, I'm going to rip him on the sideline real quick, because that ain't how we roll. We just got to get out there and play. And if we win, ain't winning, it's because of us. It ain't because of the refs. It's because we're trash. So there you go. I'm going to stop talking. You could end I'll, the I'll game fill in, here. I'll fill in the game. I'll the, fill in the game. Go Co ahead. Coach V, brought to you by Coach V. But anyways, so in it's this game, game. Cardinal ahead. Gibbons does jump out to a 14-0 lead, actually, is what they did. I remember now. 
They jumped out to a 14-0 lead. And then right before half, American Heritage rallied and scored two quick touchdowns. And that was while they were hunting for flags. Yeah. They, and that's when the offense stalled out. Yeah. The offense stalled out after jumping out to two quick scores. And then you're heading into this very familiar scene in this Cardinal Gibbons locker room where yeah. they jump out to a very early lead. And then the other team claws back right before half. And then basically Cardinal Gibbons up until this point is just like sucker punched and like doesn't respond after half. So this is like a defining moment for the program for the rest of the year and you know how they're going to do things. Right. And so then they come out and the, basically the game is almost at a standstill for a little bit, but like the offense gets the ball on the other side of the field and like, you know, Nick really wants to go for it coming out in the second half. And the coach decides to take a field goal, which I can respect because it was, yeah. I feel like it was his decision, right? But there's a little bit of misunderstanding and like, there's definitely some confusion on the sideline amongst even the coaches, which is the concerning part, right? Because like, you know, he kind of like listens to a bunch of other, like what everyone says and then makes his decision, like, I don't know if that makes sense, but like the vibe was off, I think is the best way to describe it on the sideline. So would you like, I don't know how to describe it, but like I... there is some sort of like uneasiness with, yeah. with the coach's decision. I, I don't think it was this function. I think it, it was definitely nerves for sure, which is where I'm going to be a little bit more understanding here. Uh, because everyone screws up, you know, like there, there have been times in my coaching career, more times than I'd like to admit, and even in my mentors careers as well, my various mentors where, you know, you just screw up like you, you should have been more prepared, you should have been in a mental spot where you were ready to execute, execute the plays and you had your backups and audibles and all that stuff. And you just, it's, it's like a brain fart moment. You just don't know. Coaches you know are just as susceptible to mistakes as players. This is something that young players should hear and know. Yeah, just in, I mean they're not supposed to, right? Like yeah, but no one's per but, but like, no, one, I don't no one's them. perfect. So like you know, as long as I say you have an accountable coach, it's not an issue. Yeah, and, and it's not a consistent. Role. No, for sure, and like it's not. I need to throw this out there as well, because uh, I'm trying to help players understand a coach's mind spec, mind spec, uh, mind, and like you know perspective and aspect. Um, I'm trying to help the players out there to understand. But, you know, as a coach, you have to have a feeling for the game and you have to know when the pressure is on. Because you can't just be going along being like, oh, man, I don't know when to like, yeah, we'll settle for a field goal. We'll settle for a punt, punt. But like you can't like as a coach, you need to know, like, OK, where is the emotional level of this game at? Where is the momentum at? Because if you don't know and you're just going even keeled, then there ain't going to be no moods. Like, there ain't going to be no mood swings or emotional swings. And to be honest with you, sometimes you just get into games where you know your team is not as talented as the other team. Trust me, I have been in games where I know, like, well, my squad is not that good. And so we need to step out of our skill set for a moment and take an emotional swing because that emotional momentum will make up for whatever skill deficit is there. So you got to understand that as a coach. And that's low-key why, you know, Andy Reid for a really long time didn't win Super Bowls because I specifically remember this. There's that one time they went to Foxborough. You could say he was even killed. He was, you know, great under pressure. But, like, homeboy just didn't know that, you know, 
they got to stop with two minutes left and they needed to go into two minute offense because they didn't do that. They were taking their sweet time, you know, they like at that point you have to understand like, hey, we're going to, it's haymaker time, boy. Like we're going to throw all the haymakers we got and we just need one to connect and then it's rolling from there. You know what I'm saying? You can't be too conservative here. And I think the coaches here, they are definitely in tune with the momentum of this game, which is a good thing, and which is why they're not incompetent coaches. If they were just coaching the same way throughout, that's just basically saying, like, oh, I'm in, you know, that's how a lot of old school guys are. I feel like, oh, I'm just going to keep doing the same thing all game, and if we do it right, then we're going to win. Like, yeah, bro, of course, but sometimes you need to step a little out of character to get that momentum going. And so I feel like the coaches were feeling that, and that's why they goofed up. They wanted to call a timeout. They didn't. Nick, you know, made an audible that wasn't right again. So no surprises there. That's who he is, which is why they needed this timeout for this momentum swing here. Um, and so, you know, he didn't make the play. They have to kick a field goal, and the pressure starts building because at this point, nobody has scored a touchdown in almost two quarters. Yeah. And you have to understand that. As a coach, as a player, you just go out there and play. But as a coach, you need to understand that, hey, we need a swing here if we're not the better team, which, in my opinion, they're not. Yeah. And so American Heritage gets the ball with, like, I want to say, like, three minutes left or maybe even less. Three to two minutes in the three fourth. Three to two minutes left. And so, you know, basically, and I think that the, the camera crew and, you know, like the directors of the show did a great job of putting us in Nick's place where we're just where where we are where Nick is in just a spot of like helplessness on the sideline just like watching and it's like what is my defense gonna do yep and that's the fun of it as a football player that is. yeah and so American hit well fun when it works out for you like it did for Carlos yeah, Gibbons yeah. here not as fun when it doesn't work, but well, you gotta but, trust your family though gotta trust your family yeah yeah, yeah. but I, I just say like it it's not fun when you lose losing is not fun well you take that period. as a family too yes you so. do it, you lose as a family it doesn't make it fun yeah it just makes it a family yeah but you yeah. do it either way though. Yeah, yeah yeah which is sorry go on but anyways um then and so american heritage is driving and there's like a minute left and Nick's like, we need to stop here. We need to stop. Like, we just need to get the ball back. Like, either they need to score now. And, and like the kicker for American Heritage apparently is like a dog and could hit like easily a 40 something yarder is basically how they're hyping it up. Maybe even like a 50 something. Yeah, he's right. Yeah. So he was, they're like, okay, they're already in field goal range. And the defense comes up huge. Basically saves this coach's legacy, saves this program's legacy, and saves Nick Scalzo's legacy by getting Nick and Cardinal Gibbons their first win against American Heritage with a pick six that was tipped on. I want to say it was like either a slant or an out route. It was something kind of like simple that got popped up, and you know they 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 got it and they took it to the house and they won the game 24-14 and that's all she wrote. And it was easily Cardinal Gibbons' best win of the entire year. And you may, you may question that when we start talking about some later things, but I think it was actually their best win of the whole year. And part of it is because of that emotional swing. Yes. Because it so, does carry over in the season as well. Absolutely. So, and yeah. we'll actually talk about that more coming up next when we talk about episode eight.
Hey y'all, welcome back to the Playmakers Corner podcast, talking about this time episode 8 of QB1. Once again, go ahead and check that out on Netflix before it's gone. It is a great show and it has a lot of good lessons for you high school athletes. And we're going to pick up where we left off, you know, where Cardinal Gibbons just got their first win in like nine years against American Heritage. And we're, we're back with Nick Scalzo, and, uh, which as we learned from our Italian friend, Scalzo in Italian means without socks. And this reminds me of something we didn't address last episode. Nick goes to homecoming without putting socks on. So very on brand, very on brand, literally destiny, destiny, um, for, for Nick to go to uh, homecoming after beating American heritage without socks on. But anyways, yeah. and this is a bit more of a laid back low key episode. Nick is, I think he's capping honestly, because <laughs> okay. like, okay, he's talking to this, like, I mean, wasn't it like a random dude at this restaurant? Like, wasn't his knew. buddy yeah he was working like <laughs> bro so he was working and then talking to one of the customers yeah and he was talking <laughs> his ear off which bro if i was a customer i'd be like bro i'm trying to eat my food bro i don't care about you nick scalzo but anyways yeah. um he's talking about the american heritage game he's like yeah it's the first time we beat him i was 0-4 against him so now i'm one and four which bro how are you gonna brag about being one and four against a program by the way oh, like, he's, he's basking in the wind yeah, he's, in, I, that. he's enjoying it, but I would I would never say it like that. Like, I yeah, would. now I'm one in four. Like, well, that's wow. just so you, that, that's that's so you know, though. Uh, I would say, like, I ended my losing streak against them or something. There's, that's what he's saying. It's the way that it's said, though. Saying that I'm one in four now doesn't sound cool. Bro, bro but you gotta have some humility in there because it's Nick Scalzo. I didn't think he was capable of it. But anyways. Okay. Um... He's talking, and so this guy saw. He's like, "So, what school are you going to?" Like, awesome quarterback. He's like, uh, "I'm going to Kentucky." But like, when I first started, I had like all the Ivy Leagues. You know, like I, I would have gone to Harvard if like you know uh, if I could get like financial support for it. Because like after a certain point, like they don't help out. So it's like, okay, Nick is rich. He's like, yeah, but you know, I focus on that 40-year plan. And, you know, not that four-year plan because, you know, I, I, I'm a good student. And it's like, we literally saw you in 4K last episode skipping your English class. And your mom was like, are you going to pass that class? But to play devil's advocate, what if he is a good student and he did pass that class? Bro. What? I don't know, bro. That's like, the other path here. Yes, that is the, uh, but like, bro, I think he was capping. Okay. I don't know. I think he was capping because, bro, he has never once talked about a 40-year plan. Like, no, he it, did. When? It was like at the beginning episodes. Okay. I feel like it's the same kind of like tone as like his interviews though. Oh, yeah. He, it's did, just like, he doesn't it's, mean it, but he said Yeah, it. it's professional answers, but it's like absolute horse crap. You know what I'm saying? Like. And then he's like fishing or whatever, and he catches a shark or something cute. I don't know. Yep. Doesn't he matter. Makes out with it. <laughs> are you are you judging Nick? I'm not judging. Right now, he could make out with. It he could kiss of... a shark. Would you kiss list. a shark? No, because I'm not. Because <laughs> I'm not. I don't make out with animals. Yeah, that's what you were gonna say. Anyways, we're gonna jump uh, from from the East Coast 
all the way over to Arizona. Okay. Right. Yep. And uh, they have Pinnacle has an actual big game against undefeated Liberty. Another big game. Guys. Yeah, I guess that's what they have know, a tough schedule. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, they their schedule is pretty okay. It's pretty okay. But state ranked wise, I feel like they played all the top ten teams. Was their Perry, opening was one, Perry a top yes, ten? Yes, because team? they literally contended the previous year. So you have to be a top ten God, team. They really just make everyone look like chumps, huh? Well, okay, well, not not the team that Rattler, they just beat on homecoming, though. Yeah, okay, not that team. That's why I said that was the first easy team because Perry's tough, Jay Sarah's tough. The game before. Uh, where JD comes in, that's a team that Spencer never beat before, you know. So you have like juggernaut team. They got the kid kind of thrown the whole book at them. Like this would have been a very Joe Burrow esque. Like I'm gonna prove myself by winning every meaningful game because every game is meaningful on my schedule. Yeah. Um, but, but anyways, there you go. But leading into this game, and the coach set even says like this isn't the best team that we'll face. Exactly. But we have to be in our bag <coughs> yeah. for this game because Liberty was undefeated at this point. Yep. And, you know, they have that one loss from Jay Sarah, which, while it was an out-of-state game, it's still a part of your football record. Um, yeah. So, you know, a loss is a loss, so they're behind, right? And they, they need to win this game against Liberty to take control of the... Was it the division or the conference that they were... Uh, conference. conference. Okay, so it's yeah. to take... It, they winner took first place, right? Because obviously, well, Liberty they would remain undefeated if they won. Most and likely, Pinnacle. You know, if they win, then they have the head-to-head. So mm-hmm. it, it really matters. And Simon, you want to kind of take us through this game a little bit? Yeah, for sure. So it happened to this game, and uh, honestly, that running back was in his bag uh, for a lot of this game, especially that first drive for sure. We will have to do a breakdown on him, and probably the Cardinals Gibbons running back as well or sorry no sorry the warren easton running back um or all of them we could do that but we'll see but he was in his game you know had a really big uh run scored so there you go you know they go up and take the lead early on uh after that you know defense get a couple stops but spencer's just missing open deep passes early on that's just hurting the momentum and he knows it the receivers knows it like it, everyone throws bad throws this is an off game for spencer right here and so because of that it hurts their momentum and now the defense could only stop the other offense so much <coughs> and so over time going in i don't okay actually no not going into the third quarter it's probably five like minutes left mid in the third quarter. yeah mid third quarter the score is 33 to 14 for liberty liberty yeah. yeah um so it's not looking good and it's you know arguably you could say this is all spencer's fault you could also say, hey, defense, don't let them score 33 points in three quarters, too, because that's 11 points a quarter. Um, but whatever. Spencer, you're the five-star, so you got to make it happen, and he's just missing open passes. And so Spencer says, hey, let's score on every drive. And he does that in the third quarter on and every drive and in the fourth quarter. So every time they get the ball, they score, whether it's a field goal or a touchdown. But I'm pretty sure he goes off and throws like three or four touchdowns right off the bat. Defense is finally, like, kind of feeding off of that momentum again and being like, okay, like, we actually, like, we're back in it. And so they're doing their job. Spencer's doing his job. And it comes straight down to the wire. 
Um, but, you know, when you need Spencer the most, he comes through and they win and they win by one point. Yeah, 20 unanswered points for Pinnacle. Yes. And, you know, they, they tried going for two. That's why they won by one and they got 20 points because they wanted to make it a three-point game. Mm -hmm. They don't get the two-point conversion. So Liberty still has a chance to win this with a field goal. At one point, yeah. Yeah, like with the game at, like, I think it was like 50 seconds left or something like that. So, like, yeah. there's still a reasonable amount of time to drive. Yeah. Arguably, you know? And it's Arizona, so for the most part, the weather is dry. There's no wind. For a field goal, this is... Or, sorry, for a kicker. For a kicker, this is as perfect as it gets. Yeah, and, you know, Florida teams, they can sling it, too. So it's not like you're stuck with, like, a Arizona bad arm. Teams. Or, did I say Florida? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <Dang> <laughs> Arizona teams can sling it, you know? So you're not looking at, like, your quarterback holding you back or anything like that. Like some Colorado teams. But anyways, you know, they, they, they're ready to play, and, well... They obviously don't get the field goal because I think it was blocked actually, right? It was either it blocked miss? or they just missed. No, he missed because he missed. The, it was like, oh yeah, because <laughs> the camera, the, yeah, the, the perfect, freaking, perfect, you know, frame. Yeah, perfect frame to keep us waiting for the announcer. And like they they pose it, it looks like it goes straight through, but it was wide left. Right. Because the camera was from the left. No, the camera was from the right. We were looking at it like. Whatever. They, I mean, I don't know. I don't actually remember. The it point is, is they missed, and it's because Spencer Rattler did his thing as a five-star should, scored on every drive, like he said, and won the game. And that's how you do it. Took over. Yep. He's not hunting for flags, or he's not like, you know, like, oh, coach, like, blaming the play calling. He takes responsibility and is like, yo, we finna score because I'm about that life. And he does it. So there you go. Yeah. So that basically ends, and they are hopping into this next week. Uh, kind of a big, well, okay, it is a big game against another team, and I partially feel like these games are big games uh, because all these teams have quarterbacks. Like Arizona, if you have not heard yet, and if you haven't heard yet, you already late to the party, to be honest with you, but it's a quarterback state. You got Spencer Rattler, obviously. You have Keenan Slovis. He's the USC quarterback who started as a freshman, was coached up by Kurt Warner. He's probably going to go number one if Spencer doesn't, arguably. And he played, uh, shoot, I actually don't think he played against Spencer. But he played in Arizona. You have guys like Brock Purdy, shout out to our boy Zach, who's the starter at Iowa State right now. He's another potential first to second rounder type of guy. You got Jack Miller here, who's another Power 5 starter. Uh, I don't remember where, but I know he's a Power 5 starter. And so they're going into this next game against Chaparral, and they have the, this quarterback, Jack Miller. And so this is the ESPN Game of the Week. So it is a nationally televised game, uh, a nationally televised high school game. And they usually, you know, pick a, pick a matchup where they have a couple high-ranking quarterbacks. Justin Fields was in one against another team. I don't remember who the other quarterback was. Um, it wasn't Trevor Lawrence, if you were thinking that. But uh, Justin Fields had a very similar game in his season of QB1 as well against uh, against a high-ranking team. And so, so there you go. So they have their nationally ranked team against Chaparral, and they are getting ready to play them. They are, for the most part, locked in. This is probably a game that uh, you really don't worry about whether you have Spencer or JD going in. Um, because most likely it's going to be a shootout type of game and it just comes down to, okay, 
what defense is going to stop them first. So at, at least if I'm a coach, I'm probably a little bit more focused on my defense. And I'm like, okay, if Jack Miller is checking it here, what are we doing? You know? So that's that's at least my mindset there. So we're really not worried about Spencer or JD, right? Yeah, and the option is taken away from worrying about it because <coughs> during a walkthrough in the gym, the coach breaks the news to the whole team that Spencer will not be playing the ESPN game. Was that like two days before the game? Yeah. And JD was the starter. And you know, every, everyone's like hyped for JD and JD's excited. But there's a lot of mystery surrounding why he doesn't get to play this game. And then we also find out that Jack Miller's not playing either. Yeah, because he has a poor way. Maybe it was a Rattler. Uh, but I, I think they said for Jack Miller, he had either a torn MCL or ACL. He had some leg injury, for sure. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure that actually put him out for that season, if I do remember correctly. So so it's backup versus backup on ESPN, which is exactly what they were hoping for, psych. But anyways, um, yeah, um, we'll leave that. Just think about that for a yeah. second. The speculation and, or, begins is the point, because Coach doesn't say anything else. The players don't know anything, even JD. We don't know. The camera crew doesn't know anything. No one knows where is Spencer Rattler, what is going on. Yeah, because he's not there either. Like, yeah. By the way, when they made the announcement, Spencer, uh, this begins his kind of absence because he just wasn't there at practice, which he always is, even when he was injured that one time. Yeah. So there you go. But we'll, we'll double back to that at the beginning of the next segment, so stay tuned for that. But in the meantime... Warren Easton against, you know, their, I'd say like, no, I, I wouldn't say their American heritage, but basically the equivalent, more or less. I mean, they won state the last two years, so they are their American heritage. Yeah, so their say. dogs, um, Edna Carr, mm-hmm. and they're basically the ultimate benchmark for Warren Easton on what they could possibly do. And like Simon said, they're back-to-back state champs. Defending champs. Yeah, defending champs, right? So if you are going to be state champs, if Warren Easton is going to hoist a trophy, they are going to have to show that they can hang with Carr. Well, you got to show that you could beat them because I feel like they've played them before, um, not in playoffs, but regular season, but they just haven't beat them, which is why there's kind of some anxiety behind the hype uh, going into this game. Yeah, so, you know, and I I thought it was very interesting, and Simon noted it, thank goodness, but Coach Phillips is all, hey, like, if, if you were the man in your part, stand up, and, like, the whole team stands up, and he takes this as a moment to be like, okay, I see everyone standing up, so, like, if we have all the men from all day parks, what is stopping us from beating at Nakar this Friday night. Like, we don't have an excuse. We got a, we got a bunch of dudes here. So let's let's go smack them around and show them what Warren Easton football is about. Which, Simon, I don't know if you know knew this, but Coach Phillips used to play for Edna Carr. Oh, I did not know that. That's interesting. So he is establishing the culture that he wants to over at Warren Easton that he got from Edna Carr, basically. <coughs> yeah. So, and this game, like, I wish that they dived into that a little bit more. I found that out doing kind of like my own research. But, you know, 
Phillips has something to prove here by trying to topple, you know, his alma mater. Yeah. I mean, the whole team's not off the hook. They, everyone has something to prove. This is just like the American Heritage game. If you want to be a state champion, you got to beat the guys who are champions. You know what I'm saying? Like, this ain't no, like, cupcake run. Like, you got to be about that life if you want to be a state champion and a contender. If you are out here dodging teams or, you know, playing soft football, you really ain't about that life. You go luck into a state championship maybe in 50 years. Maybe, maybe. But if you want to be an actual champion, this is the game that you circle and be like, yo, you know, we are playing for the heart of New Orleans right now. Whoever wins this, we probably go see each other get again in the Superdome. And that's how it's going to be. But for now, we need to show these dudes like, yo, like, you can't keep running over us and expect us to be cool with it. Because that's really what the narrative is right now. Because if you weren't cool with it, then you would have won by now. Yeah. So. Go ahead. And so I'm just going to jump straight into the game and we'll double back for any crumbs later. But sure. we get into the game and, well, what do you know? Carr is a talented football team. Stop. Because they are just running circles, basically, around Warren Easton. And Lance is, he's not really feeling himself. And so, like, basically the entire first half is... Munchie and Phillips and like all the coaches and even the players like basically telling Lance like settle down like everyone here in this stadium knows who you are everyone in the state of Louisiana knows who you are do you know who you are like do your thing you know like he's like really uncomfortable trying to do too much getting hit a little hard and like just getting slammed into the ground like repeatedly and like I think that's another aspect of like the the recording too, you know, is like they emphasize the hits that they need to emphasize as far as like tone setters and stuff like that for the most part. Yeah, because they were they were head hunting for sure and they were hard hit hunting for sure because this is just a fast defense. Like Lance like they were making him uncomfortable, which is what they wanted to do because they know he's not like a you know, like he's not like a Patrick Mahomes who's going to run around and throw a great ball. You know, if you make him uncomfortable for long enough, you're going to start getting to his head a little bit. And then you put it on him to settle it down. Yeah, he throws dots in the pocket. He throws dots when he's running the scheme, basically. And, you know, he can find openings when he does run from time to time. But, you know, he like you said, he's not a, a magic kind of guy. No, more yeah. or less. And I think Edna Carr, this is kind of where, I, watching this like for the fourth time, I kind of saw this as a defensive player. Like really, they're hitting this dude because they know Lance is the heart and soul of this offense and really the team. Because you can't win football games if you don't score. So he's the heart and soul of this team. And so they know, hey, if we could break this full, we win. And so they have the intention of breaking him every single play. And his line sucks. So they already going to let a couple through. And so this team's already good. And so basically, everyone and their mama is getting a hit on Lance. Yeah, he's getting killed this game. Yeah, like there's no, like, like he's going to, like, he's like out there by himself, really getting smacked in the face. Like, and no one's helping him. I feel like every other episode, we're like, yeah, Lance is getting murdered this game. And it's just like... Gosh, shout out to Lance Lejean for making it through this senior season behind that O-line. I know that, you know, you probably stand up for them and th those are your dogs, but damn, bro, you were taking so many unnecessary hits as a senior in high school. Bro. They're terrible, yeah. Their edge rushers pretty much did whatever they wanted to do. 
Um, and so this wasn't interior rushers game. manhandled this line too all year. Yeah, so but... basically nobody's blocking. So Lance is out here like getting into his own head. Yeah, and so they go into half. I think it was seven zero um, with Carr leading, and yeah, you know. Uh, Clayton, the running back at Warren Easton, which you said, we got to do a breakdown on him sometime, you know. He he scores two touchdowns, and so Lance is, after he scores one touchdown, Lance is, like, centered, basically. Yeah. And then it's blow for blow in this second half, because it's 7-7, seven, seven, then boom, Carr responds with a touchdown, it's 14-7, then boom, you know, Clayton scores another touchdown, and in like the Lance, quarter. yeah, and Lance is throwing dots. You know, he's doing his thing. He's completed passes. He's moving the chains. He's moving around the pocket. Like he settled down after that first touchdown. And so you know, boom, 14-14. And then we head into the. And then there's a couple of defensive stops. You know, it's one of those. It's just like the American Heritage game. It is a tooth and nail football game. It's one that you know you ask any player who's ever played football, and they've been a part of this. Like it's one of their most fun games because. It's just like, it's a war, yeah. you know? It's more than a battle, it's a war on every single snap. And it's something that you never forget because it's those close wins that really mean a lot. Yeah, it's it's about who can take the next hit. Yeah. That's what it is. And who can hit, who can deliver the next hit and who's it coming from because it's coming yep. from somebody and from some angle. And so, you know, Carr, they, get, they finally, they break the seal and they score with a little under two minutes left, a minute and a half left. So it's 21-14 with 131 on the clock. This is what Lance Lejean has been waiting for. Yeah. Signature win time. Yeah. And so they and they start, you know, on their on their own side. I think like it was like the, their 20 or 30. Yeah, it wasn't like that field position. Like, like typical, typical, right? Yeah, like for sure. all right, here's the ball. You have 90 seconds. Are you gonna bring your team back? And so they drive real well. And then I wanna say they get on the opposing, like 30 or even 40 yard line because it was a deep pass yeah. down down the right and i don't think lance throws a better pass all season no this than, was as good as it got yeah like it was beautiful it was a beautiful pass to make it 20 to 21 with 57 seconds left like oh my gosh i don't think i've ever been thrown a pass as beautiful as that pass was and barely witnessed it IRL. Like, it was that good of a pass, bro. But anyways, enough on the pass. It's 20 to 21. And we know Coach Phillips. We know Warren Easton. They're going for two. And I think you could kind of relate it to what you were talking about, Simon, where it's like you need to stomp on their throat if you have the chance. Yeah. Because Endicar, like, Lance is the heart and soul of this Warren Easton team. And they have some dudes, right? But Carr is just... Everywhere you look on this team, they got they got dudes. Yeah, low key, they're probably better than this. They are better than this Warren Easton team because you don't see their quarterback getting smacked around fifty times a drive. So they are better. And so at this point, you know, like the great Thanos said, you have to go for the head. You should have went for the head. And so that's what the coach is thinking. This is a dagger call right here. Like, hey. We are not messing around and dancing with this team in overtime or another drive. Like, look, we are going to put the pressure on these fools. We are going to win the game right here, put the pressure on them, and then they need to score. And if they don't score, that's on them. Yeah. But we need to do our job right here, right now, because we have the best quarterback in the state. That's his mentality. Absolutely. And so they, they start off with a rollout right, 
and Lance yeah. throws a terrible ball. Oh my god, I don't like. They got lucky, in my opinion, that a PI was called. Oh, they like got this. bailed out because it was it was an uncatchable ball, in my opinion. Yeah, it was a terrible pass, and so like that's obviously the nerves, I'd say, which you know there's no excuses, right? But at the same time, you know Lance is an 18 year old kid. Yeah. So also the the receiver was covered pretty well. It was great coverage, like. Unless Lance, the defense like, kind of called the perfect like play oh, yeah. against the offensive play. Oh yeah, if unless Lance just threw like a Patrick Mahomes esque like dot or or a Big Ben esque dot in that one Super Bowl against the Cardinals, because that's what the play call was. There was no way he was gonna make that throw. Yeah, like it was just great defense. Like he was blanketed, and that's what it was. Yeah, and so the refs bless them for this. I think. For the, for the love of football, because sure, sure. don't let the game... Like, okay, obviously, I'm not saying to tamper with any games. <laughs> I want to put that out there. But, you know, the game didn't end on, like, a whack play. And so then they say, the, the coaches, everyone, everyone in that stadium, the fans, Carr, their coaching staff, Warren Easton. Lance's and, mama. And Lance's mama, yeah. Um, you know, everyone knows who's getting the ball. It's Lance on a QB power. To the right. Yeah. Or in RPO, I couldn't tell what it was, to be honest with you. But they were going to give him the option to run. Like, it's it's up to Lance to win this game. And so, you know, he charges in. Just falls a couple inches short. Yeah, and you could see that, right? It wasn't, like, close. It was blown like, up. You could see it, like... It was blown up. Yeah, like, you could see it straight, wow. straight up. Like, surprise, surprise, the line let them down. But anyways... Yeah, I don't... Probably would have called another pass. Go ahead and call me Pete Carroll. But, like, I would have called a, another pass and be like, yo, like, uh, or I don't know. I don't know. Maybe you call that again because you look at Lance, like, he's not like a twig. He's not Lamar Jackson. Like, if it was Cam Newton back there, then heck yeah, I'm going to call it again. And that's low-key probably why they lost that one game against the Seahawks. But, like, if you're a coach, I personally feel like it's not a bad play call even if they know at that point i mean it's unfair but you're putting the pressure on your quarterback who you assume is a strong dude and you're just saying like yo balls in your hands the game's on your shoulders run over a full and win and lance lance had to run over three people he was, and he was still somebody. yeah he was still close yeah but and not... he reached out too yes so uh, you can't do anything it's just, it's a tough loss, and you take that on the chin. And so they lose 21 to 20 to Carr, and there's, basically, the talk of the town is like, okay, either, basically, if Warren, we have to watch Warren Easton's next games, yep. and if if they are who they say they are, like, in this game, I'd say, then we're going to see these teams again. Yeah. Or... Because you got to keep in mind, the other narrative is like, oh, I feel like it's harder for Warren Easton to beat this team again because the streak continues. So the pressure keeps growing as the playoffs go on. It actually amplifies as the playoffs go on, as the season goes on. And so you're at a point where it's like, okay, I wouldn't be surprised if this Warren Easton team falls apart right now. Because that's a... We talked about... Emotional wins. Loss. Oh, yeah, yeah. We talked about emotional wins. There are definitely emotional losses, and this was as devastating as it got. Um, that could ruin an entire rest of your season. Yeah, at this point, either 
you fall apart or or you take it personally and i guess you could say i took that personally and was that being speaking of uh yeah personal stories what's going on with spencer coming up next All right, all right. What's good, y'all? Welcome back to the Playmakers Corner. We are on our last episode here. Um, not of QB1, but this, of this episode. This is the second to last episode of QB1 Season 3, I want to say. And we're going to go ahead and pick it up with Spencer Rattler. Uh, I'm actually going to throw this to Cody because, like I said, this was like my fourth or fifth time re-watching this. And I've looked for things each time, and really, there's not, there's not like any, you know, Easter eggs or anything that comes up. And so, Cody, since this was your first time watching, I want you to introduce this episode. And uh, also, you're an OU fan, so you might as well talk about Rattler to start. Yeah, uh, I didn't know that there was a a mystery behind because I didn't really get into high school or college football until I started hanging out with Simon and our other co-host or former co-host or whatever you want to call him. The, the one of our buddy, Jesse, Jesse Booten, yes. you know, coach Booten. Yes. And so, you know, I didn't really watch that. So I didn't really know what was going on. It was kind of like, Oh, you know, like, Oh, use ranked. I'm going to tune into games and I'm going to watch the Texas game. And we're going to smack <laughs> the Longhorns, horns down baby. But anyways, so, sure. so there's, a lot of questions about Spencer. Like I said, it was left basically up into up to interpretation for all the players and JD at the end of the last episode where we left off, at least with Pinnacle. And so we get back to it, and there's like some whispers of it being like a sprain, basically. And you know the team is trying to stay focused, but there's definitely an elephant in the room, right? And so JD texts Spencer, and so Spencer doesn't get back to like JD and Spencer are homies, right? Like they're they're the kind of guys that like they respond immediately to each other whenever they text, right? Like they're there. And Spencer doesn't respond to JD. I think he said for like the whole school day or something. No, for two days. Or for two days. So yeah. when JD got announced, right, as the starter, Spencer wasn't there all day, I assume, and then the next day he wasn't there, and so really it was game day when they talked in person next. He was MIA entirely, yeah. off yeah. the map, like, off the grid, and so JD is texting Spencer, and he's like, hey, like, is everything okay? And then Spencer's like, uh, it's an MCL sprain, and I'm gonna get, you know, some more tests on it, but the results came back bad, and I'm gonna be out for a while. And so JD's like, how long are you going to be out? How did you do it? And Spencer's like, I did it at practice. I'm going to be out for like, basically, did he say like six to eight weeks or something like that? And no, at first it's, he it's said hard. a couple weeks, like three oh, to he, five weeks. Okay, he said like three to five. It's hard to remember the details and you'll know why when we get really into it here in a second. But, you know, the coach at some point, he addresses it again with the team. And he says, you know, confidentiality is a concern. So that's kind of weird because, you know, if it's just an injury, like, you don't say that, basically. No one, anytime a player's been injured on any team I've ever, any team I've ever played on any sport, there's never a confidentiality issue. 
with it. Like, if they hurt, they hurt. And you know, like, maybe you at least know, like, what body part it is. So, nobody knows what's going on. Nobody will know. JD is basically, like, the only one who kind of knows what's happening. And initially, Spencer didn't respond how long he'd be out for. Uh, at least in the tech, like, he it, he left JD on red. Oh. But anyways, so, then we get to the ESPN game, like, we're getting actually into the meat of that. And so, you know, JD is, he's nervous. He's nervous for this game. He's on a national platform. He has a couple of Pac-12 offers, you know, so, like, this is his chance to really show the world who JD Johnson is. And so, he's nervous, like, this wasn't... This, okay, this stage, ESPN chose this game, chose these teams because it was supposed to be Spencer Rattler, basically. <laughs> and, and Jack, Jack Miller. Miller. Yeah. And now they're not there, right? So, like, JD is thrown into this, like, he's basically thrown on stage, you know, when he didn't even sign up for the talent show, more or less. So, like, yeah. he's thrown into, like, this spotlight, spotlight unlike anything he's ever been a part of. You know, like, the, the world is watching, well, you know, the college football world, oh, yeah. which... For JD is the world, you know. But the lights are brighter than it ever has been and, in his life right and now. And well, ever will be eventually, but you know, we'll but talk so about like that later. <laughs> and so then they're at like a restaurant the day of the game, and Spencer just strolls in like he's not limping or nothing. <laughs> yeah, that's like, very noticeable that yeah, he's not. Like I think if it was a bad MCL sprain where you couldn't play, like it'd be a little bit more obvious. He's not wearing like a knee brace or like a knee sleeve or nothing. He just mobs in and he's like, well, and I, I, I respected what he did. Like the coaches kind of look over, you know, and like the players are like, what is going on? Like there is so much tension in this restaurant on this pinnacle team. And Spencer's like, hey, like, JD's like, are you okay? Spencer's like, yeah, you know, it's just, I'm just like walking it out or whatever. And like, they're kind of really half-assing this cover story. And... There's oh, that I'm one scene. That, but. You're good. Uh, there's that one scene where uh, JD was all like, so are you coming to the game? And then Spencer's like, Johnson, what do you think I'm doing? What Johnson, what, what do you think? That's basically what he's saying. And he's like dogging JD. Yeah, he like tries to play like, it's like normal for a second. Yeah, like why, like why would he not be at, you know, his team's football game is what he's saying. Yeah, him. and he's like, and I'm in your corner too. Like, he's letting JD know, like, you're going to do fine. Yeah, he's gassing him up. Yeah, like, he's doing exactly what he needs to be doing in this situation, I think, from a teammate perspective. Yeah, which is perfect. But, uh, but I don't know. I got to be honest. I don't know if Spencer knows that the coach mentioned that it's, like, a confidentiality thing. Oh. Because that could lead to the disconnect, you know, a little bit. Or he does know, and he's downplaying it really well. One of the two... Some room for interpretation there. Not as much room for interpretation as we will eventually get. But, you know, so there's like a huge elephant in this room. But then they get, they're getting into the game. It's the pregame. And, you know, the coach is like, hey, you belong here. This is your team. Go out and play J.D. Johnson football. And we're going to be all right. I don't know. The coach also tells him to not worry about what this game might mean. Which is a very oh. important thing that you have to say as a coach because you could assume and be he, like he's telling him oh, to play in the it. present <laughs> yeah yeah he's saying like hey don't worry about it i mean like just play football you know what i mean which is what you need to do like 
Like you, you gotta, you, you gotta stay present in games like this. Yeah, like as a senior, like I did talk about like emotional wins and stuff like that, which are important um, for coaches. I would say more than players, but as players, your job is to go out there, play your sport, perform, get it done. You know what I mean? You could think about the future. You could think about like, oh man, I missed this pass or I turned over the ball. Like you could think about what that may mean and what other people may think that may mean for you. At the end of the day, you're the one playing the game. So, you know, you might as well not psych yourself out of it. They're going to talk either way. Everyone's going to talk either way, especially the more like famous you are, the more they're going to talk. So let them talk, play your game. And I think the coach did an excellent job of acknowledging this because I'm going to be honest with you. <laughs> Knicks coaches would never do this. Well, they didn't do this because when they went to Georgia, there's a reason why they got whooped. I don't know if Lance's coaches would do this as well. I think they would put a little bit more pressure on Lance uh, and be like, "Hey, like, this is your coming, like, this is your arrival party right here. Like, you gotta make it happen." And they would talk a little bit more about what it would mean for him. And then that turns into internal motivation for Lance. Yeah, um, a little bit of a different situations, of course. Yeah, because he's a different personality, you know. Like, you got to kind of let him, you know, figure out his motivation because he's more of an introvert. But with JD here, he's a young quarterback. He's not a senior. He's not a grown man. He's a kid about to get his first real varsity start is what it is, too. Get his first chance. Well, no. Like, he hasn't well, I mean, started again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, like, to really – because – to really show everything that he is. Yeah, Full no. display. Full display. Absolutely. But it's his first varsity start as well, which has a whole ton of pressure within its own. Nonetheless, this thing's going to be shown to everyone in the country. So, because, like, everyone's going to be nervous. Like, I'm sure when our, like, boys like Bordeaux, Brady, Beckham, all them boys, when they get their first varsity start, they'll probably be nervous too. But, like, hopefully it won't be, like, a national nationally televised game. Because that's... That's already a lot to ask out of your quarterback. At that point, as a coach, you need to understand, like, I don't care if he plays conservative. We just need to calm him down, and then we'll get rolling eventually. Yeah. You know? it, 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 the coach does a great job of basically just saying, okay, like, only one play happens at a time in this game. Yeah. So just take it play by play, drive by drive, and we'll build up and we'll get through this whole game. Yeah, you got to minimalize the situation so that the player can focus at, on the scenario at hand. Because when it gets too big, then they're thinking about this and that. Like, you got to cut cut all that out and minimalize the situation. That's coaching from Coach V. From Coach V. But go ahead. But, so we get into the game, and, you know, the first drive doesn't really... Oh, and Chaparral, their backup quarterback is also a dog. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's ranked good, like he's, he's ranked like top fifteen in the state, I think is what they said, which is just like, oh my gosh, bro, these freaking Arizona schools. But anyways, yeah, you know, that like just because Jack Miller's out doesn't mean that Pinnacle is gonna have like a breeze, quote unquote. You know, like they're not favored to like hang fifty on this team, and so you know, it's not a surprise when the first drive stalls out, and you know, you could see JD's jitters, you know, like period, uh, uh, like. Especially with the first drive not really going. And so, you know, you get some Spencer action. You get some coach action. Like, hey, like, ser actually relax and, and go play football. Yeah. And and so then he does. And, you know, it, this turns out to be a great game. And this was a really interesting game to watch because, well, we watched it from the ESPN perspective, basically. 
which is what QB1 showed, by the way. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So we're still watching the show. It's just from that perspective. Yeah, and then, like, little snippets of QB1 or, like, commentary, basically, from, like, other players and coaches. Mm -hmm. So, honestly, a great way to watch football game. Yeah. But it's, like, mic'd up and ESPN at the same time because we know that the announcers don't have nothing good to say. But... Well, okay, I'm, that's a little personal, but that's a little personal, but you know, that's that's what they did before with Justin Fields too, and I'm a very big fan of that setup as well. So, yeah. So yeah, and um, you know, JD finally gets into a rhythm, and you know, the gears are every, everything is churning correctly for Pinnacle. They jump out to a 14 to seven lead at half, and ultimately end the game with a W because they kind of just jump straight to the end more or less and, yeah. and they won 23 to 7 yeah so it's a solid win um i mean it's not like they blew them out but that, it doesn't matter at this point you're at this point you're just trying to survive without spencer um at least that's the vibe that is given and this is great editing by the way because this whole part was kind of at the end of the show and so right after they win you know jd's talking about how great of a team win this is uh, coach says, oh, we got the two best quarterbacks, you know, like he's, they're talking, right? It cuts right to a soundbite, not even like they're still showing like the field and all that stuff, but it cuts right to a new soundbite saying that Spencer is done for the year. He is ruled ineligible and that's it. And so he is done not only for the regular season, but for playoffs um, because he violated a school rule is what they said. They called it victimless and not criminal. And so uh, there's a lot of questions here because it can't be both victimless and not criminal if you're basically getting suspended from sports for like a whole month and a half because that's what it is. Yeah. And okay, a couple of, so they have a, they have a great montage of national radio shows, local radio shows. And I believe like Kevin McCabe, I think is the guy that covers Spencer Rattler the most in Arizona yeah, or something yeah. like that. And so, you know, there, everyone is getting a piece in, everyone is trying to, wager on what's going on there's lots of speculation because the number one quarterback in the country just got ruled and no one is giving a straight answer you know and from the coaches to spencer to his family and so we get like i don't know they kind of just leave us they, they leave us in the dark right then and there. Yeah. And, and then they kind of talk about it a little bit more in the next episode. But basically, as Simon said, it when we watched it was, no one is giving a straight answer. Someone is lying. Oh, absolutely. Like I said, it can't be both victimless and criminal and get suspended. Well, not, you know, same uh, thing from sports for like over a month. And like... For the number one quarterback in the country. Like, yeah. okay, look, there is athlete privilege in schools no doubt so like this had to be something very serious because i know one of our buddies was like well maybe he like plagiarized or something and it's like your core basically at any high school your varsity quarterback gets away with that yeah you fail him like well you you could still fail him and like because arizona well most states do that thing where you could have failing grades at play in texas you can't have failing but that's, that's why it's Texas football and uh, not Arizona football. But anyways, that's besides the point. 
if that was the deal, like you just fail him there and that's it. And as a teacher, I know this inside and out as well. Um, because I was on that other end as somebody who was in charge of multiple athletes and their ineligibility, in, in eligibility, either way. You know what I'm saying? So this is obviously serious enough. Uh, we could speculate probably next episode. Let's save it for that. This next episode is just the finale. Yeah. So, yeah, we'll wait on that. Um, let's so just cut it off. We're left in the dark on Spencer Rattler, and you're yeah. just going to have to stay tuned for basically what he has to say about it. Which isn't like a lot, but, you know. It is something. It is something. Yeah. From but, Spencer himself. So, yeah. with that being said, we are going to go ahead and hop into Florida. We're going to talk about Nick Scalzo here. Uh, I believe they are about to enter their first playoff game but before we talk about that um by the way shout out to the team mentor did a very good job of well a better job obviously but a very good job of getting this team in the right mindset hyping them up getting their emotional levels to right where you want them to be which arguably is you know the coach's job but you know if you can't do that i guess hire somebody right and so cody do you want to talk more on that well, gosh, the contrast of how terrible the coach is at giving pep talks and then hearing the team mentor talk makes him seem like the wisest person on the planet because coach really has nothing to say ever. Like, I'd say, like, scheme-wise, like, the coach knows what he's doing, I'd say, and we'll talk about that a little bit later on, like, why I think that. But, you know, as far as, like, being a coach and, like, talking... Oh my gosh, he's kind of unbearable in my opinion. Every time he's on the screen I don't know trying about to like unbearable. Bro, he's so corny. <laughs> he's okay. Like, I, oh my god. I'm god. gonna say this right here, and I mean all the disrespect. Um whenever I moved to Colorado, I had coaches that I didn't believe in, and that's about the same vibe I get. Like, hey man, I'm sure you're a good guy. You're saying you're ish, but to be honest, you don't know me. We're on different levels, and you know, you'll get what you get. But I respect you, coach, just because you're an adult and, you know, that's that. Obviously, as an adult, we have different, you know, like that was me as a kid back then. But as an adult, you know, we obviously have different opinions than those athletes should have. So, yeah. yeah. But go, sorry, go ahead. I didn't mean to interrupt you. Though. No, you're good. You're good. I was just saying, like, the contrast is huge. And, well, he, the, the Cardinal Gibbons coach is, he's still on, he's still <laughs> okay. on my bad okay. list. And... You know, and <laughs> man, he didn't come prepared at the beginning of this game. I thought that they were about to get played straight out of the playoffs because they fall That's down right. to a, a 14-0 hole. Yeah. So, and Nick, you know, he's doing his thing where he's running around too much and he's being super extra and the offense is stalling out. And it's just like, dang, like, what the heck is happening? And then there's like a pretty good momentum swing with Cardinal Gibbons' first touchdown. Like, we, okay, we've talked very unapprovingly of Nick Scalzo quite a bit on the show, but, you know, he, he's still he's still a decent quarterback, and he can still make plays, and he makes play basically in, like, the team's biggest, like, hour of need, I'd say. You know, come playoff time, he make like, he really sells out for this opening touchdown. Um to to you know close the gap and then you know from there the defense starts clicking the special teams starts clicking we don't ever talk about special teams enough we still have to do like 
top kickers at some point. We're not going to do Well, we could do top kickers in the last couple of years. I could yeah, do that. Yeah, yeah, like the last okay. couple of years. Yeah. No, I'm not. Sorry, Colorado, class of 22 kids. I am... 21 kids, too. Well, and 21 kids. I'm not, I'm not doing that. For the record, I'm down. Um, for the record, I am down to evaluate kickers. I'm just going to tell you whether you have a strong leg or not. Because I never actually played kicker or punter. I actually sprained my ankle playing <laughs> punting a football in my backyard once. I feel like I need to put that out there. Um, but I am still down to evaluate. I just, I'm sprained ankle boy after punts though. I can't believe that I'm more qualified to talk about kicking and punting than Coach B, dude. So you could send your hate mail to Cody Stauffer. That is K-O-D-E-S. <laughs> Zero eight eight. Hey, relax, 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 relax. But anyways, back to Cardinal Gibbons. Uh, you know, speaking of special teams, Simon knows about this. Being a defensive guy, Cardinal Gibbons gets a blocked field goal. Wait, was it a field goal? Or yeah, was it a, yeah, no, yeah. It was a blocked field goal that yeah, they returned. A blocked field goal that they returned. Which, okay, bro, nothing is like okay. Obviously, a lot of things are hype, but like, bro, blocking a punt or a kick and take and housing it. Is one of the most hype plays in any sport. Like, bro, yeah. I, no matter where you're at in the game, like if that happens, like that sideline is going to be going crazy. And you can see, like, the coaches were kind of dangerously on the field, like low key for that run back. But like, yeah. that, that's <laughs> just like the energy levels spike on that. It's like uncontrollable wave. And then Gibbons gets a little too cocky and this coach they shouldn't have called this play i don't know why it's you so call this in the playoffs dumb they call a double pass on like the 15 yard line yeah it's, it's too a, far it's a red zone play is what they intended it's too far for it to mean anything mean anything so you know they, nick does his little thing and he catches the ball and he, the double passes to nick by the way yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. that's that's why we think it's dumb is because the quarterback who, you know, it, you should try and not throw to the Wolves is just literally being thrown to the Wolves. Especially, this and this is, you know, the second time watching through talking again, but especially after that dive, because Loki, that dive was a little disrespectful. Like it got, you know, Cardinal Gibbons going, but if I'm a defensive player, I look at that and I'm like, you're telling me this white boy is going to hurdle three of us? To get into the end zone and score? Are you serious right now? No. If homeboy tries, and I've done this before as a defensive player, and that's on the quarterback. But if homeboy tries to jump, I'm hitting the, I'm hitting this dude in the ribs and I'm cracking him, cause he ain't gonna do that again. Stay on the ground, boy. And so that's what my mentality is as a defensive player. And if you are a good defensive player or coach, you're telling him like, hey, if he gets the ball in his hands and runs, cause he's not Lamar Jackson. Blast him! Teach him a lesson. Don't let him do that again. And so the safety did the right job and blasted Nick out of bounds. Yeah. He still on, caught it, by the way. Yeah, this, so kudos this to him. safety had to be licking his chops, being like, no way. They're putting him in open field. Yeah, and it wasn't a good throw either. Homing missile him? Exactly. Like, it wasn't a good throw either. Because he had to it, kind of turn around for it. And so it left Nick's and it left Nick vulnerable. Very like, vulnerable. Like to the point where, like, if you see a little bit of, like, side and rib as a safety, and you about that life, 
that might as well be cake for you because you gotta like that's a that's we, a we breaking uh, play. Licking his chops. Yeah. Just licking his chops yeah. looking at that. Probably thought he was dreaming. I should probably turn it down with the violence. But I'm just saying that's a rib breaking play. I mean play. that's just how football is. That's yeah. how football is. Yeah, like you see it's playoffs. Like this ain't no regular season. Like if he has the guts to come out here and think he could be a skill player, I'ma light him up because I you already know he's not built like a skill player. Like a real skill player. You know what I'm saying? He ain't used to taking these hits. He's a QB. He already has an injury history. Like, this is, like, you're an idiot as a head coach by putting Nick into this situation. So I don't blame Nick for this, uh, in my opinion. That was, no, that was horrible coaching to put your quarterback in that position. And you're only up by three. So the defensive player does his job and he lights him up. And Nick goes spinning and, you know, he's trying to get his feet in bounds too because, like, you know, you can't. Like, I don't know what, I don't know. Like, you want to obviously still complete the play no matter what. That's a football thing, right? Um, and his knee buckles, you kind of see a little bit of it because, like I said, it's not a good throw because it's not a quarterback throwing it, by the way. It's some running back, like or running back or receiver. Yeah. Neither option is a good option. So he's already twisting and turning. And so this is a very natural injury, in my opinion. It's not like a freak injury by any means. This is probably an injury that you avoid by not calling the play. His knee buckles. My first reaction when I saw it is like, oh, he tore his ACL. He's done. You know, like maybe he could walk back in and like stand there and because he's a quarterback and just throw the ball. But like he's not going to be able to run. Like you see that as a defensive player because you could feel it as a defensive player. And you're like, oh, he's a sitting duck. And not that he was like, you know, a great athlete before. But all you got to worry about is like, yo. He's basically pinned down in the pocket, and he's waiting for me. And so, you know, that's more momentum, arguably. But anyways, he gets hurt. Um, it's not a good situation at all. You could tell right off the bat that he's hurt because you see it happen. Yeah, it's... You could kind of hear the pop noise that it makes, too. Yeah, like it's a it's, bad injury. It's gross. Yeah, um, it's, it's a... And, I wouldn't say gruesome, but it's a bad injury. Yeah, and like... Nick, like, you know, we've seen him hurt before, but he was hurt. Like, uh, like he was injured. You know what I mean? Like, we've seen him hurt, but he was genuinely injured on this play. And, like, in a lot of pain. And so, you know, they get him to the sideline, and they're asking him questions. But, like, at this point, you know, he does, okay. I, initially, I was giving him a little bit of flack because he's like, I'm going in. Like, I don't care. You know, and, like, it, it was just, like, because it was Nick who's already, like, defied the coach a whole bunch, I was like, come on, man. But he did what any football player would do, I'd say. And it's like, I'm going back and, like, especially during playoffs, like, bro, I'm... Yeah, especially like, if you're a quarterback, yeah, too. Yeah, senior year. Yeah. Could yeah. be his last game. Like, I think the bad taste in my mouth was that Jerry was, like, it could be his last game. Basically... Well, he's always saying, <laughs> yeah, Jerry, you're always saying, this could be his last game, coach. This could be his last game, coach, to literally justify everything that he does. Jerry pisses oh, me off. That's why your name is Jerry. Anyways, go on. Rick and Morty moment. But anyways, Jerry. you know, he, uh, he, Brody goes in, and I think he, like, throws a pick or something. Yeah, right off the bat. Yeah, like, immediately, like, doesn't throw, like, a tight end hitch or something and throws a pick. And so Nick is like, bro, I need to go in or we are going to lose, basically. Yeah. And so he goes in, and honestly, it was some of Nick's best quarterback play. 
which is interesting. And it's because he, he wasn't is running stuck around. To the pocket. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. You're right. You're right. But it's because he's uh, limited to the pocket. And also as a coach, you know, I know I've given the coach uh, some slack as well because I have felt the same. But like, I mean, I don't know, man. Like, if you're on the goal line and then you know Brody goes ahead and throws a pick and throws away an opportunity to go up more. At that point, it's like, all right, we just need heart right now. So even if he doesn't play well, I'm going to throw him out there just knowing like, hey, I got my best possible quarterback out there because Brody just threw a pick. So he's not like good right now. Like he's rattled. So don't put that pressure on him. He wasn't ready for him. the moment. Yeah, you can't put that pressure on him just yet. And you just go with the guy that you have right now and believe in him and just see what happens. And everyone else is going to play better. Yeah, because they'll play for him. Yeah, too. because they're seeing like Nick is laying down like his leg for this team and his heart. So yeah. and and he does that, and you know they they get a um, they get a dub here. Yeah, this is a in my opinion this is a very true moment of valor for Nick Scalzo. I said because we talk a lot about him being fake like motivationally and like leading. He really hasn't led like a real comeback or. Being a little like mentally weak and whatnot, but I think in this moment it's like okay, like obviously there are a lot of things that were forcing him to make this this, this decision, but like uh, I respect it, you know. Going back into a game after tearing your, I want to say they, he did say he tore his ACL with the knowledge knowing that you know once that ACL goes, your MCL and LCL are ninety percent more susceptible to being torn at the same time. And then your knee is just buckling around and you could talk meniscus and nerve damage. Like, there, this could have went bad a lot more. Like, low-key, if they called another stupid play or if his lineman missed blocks, one bad hit to the knee would have ended his career. And, I mean, you saw what happened to Alex Smith. And that's probably, that's definitely worst-case scenario. You could even bring up RG3 in this situation. Yeah, RG3 too. Both uh, Washington football team quarterbacks, by the way. Um, but though that's worst case scenarios that are that were very real in that moment for every second that he was and he there. knew that yeah he knew that so like and his yeah. team knew that too and that's why they won yeah and I I agree with you I like I think that you know as, as the season goes on and as Nick starts to face like genuine life adversity he grows substantially. And, and he rose to the occasion here. It's not a bad game to go out on. Which is a little bit of a spoiler. But it's not a bad game to go out on. We'll just say that. So, that was Cardinals Gib Cardinal Gibbons. Cardinal Gibbons, you have Nick Scalzo fighting for his freaking life. Oh, and you they know, play American Heritage the next week. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, things yeah. aren't bright in Cardinal Gibbons land. But, you know, Nick has... This game is a toss-up, I'd say, for his signature win between this and the American Heritage game. I... But this one is very defining as a character. Yeah, I'd give him this one because he had that big, like, 40, 50-yard pass in the last quarter. To While injured! Yeah, yeah, yeah. While injured! Yeah, so he was just, he was just tossing it out there. So um, that's probably why I'd give him this signature win over the American Heritage one because it's not like he played defense, so... Yeah, true. I was about to say, for, for his Cardinal Gibbons legacy, you know, maybe the American Heritage one. But as sure, far as, sure. like, Nick Scalzo, the football player, 
this was monumental. It's a good one to go out. I can't like stress enough how how much I respect you know going out in this way because you know as a football player you know your career is going to end eventually. As an athlete in general, you know your career is going to end eventually. It could either be stolen from you from an injury, or it ends naturally, or you're forced out of it, which is what most people are. They're forced out of the game, which is, in my opinion, the saddest part. So to go out in a way where, you know, your injury kind of stole it, and well, you went out there and you ended your career on a win, your high on school your career. On your note, basically. On a win. Yeah. You could live with that. You there are worse, like, you could, I mean, hey... You know, you could be an Oklahoma player playing against Bama in the college football playoffs, and that's your last football game ever, getting 50-piece. So there's that. So anyways, down <laughs> to the bayou <laughs> with Lance. And this is low-key, but I think it's important before talking about next episode, you know. Go ahead, and you also, going to talk about this real quick. They're doing some community work. They're building houses. And, God, yes. bro, Lance doesn't know how to use a hammer, bro. Like, God, some football players... Explain how he didn't know how Dude, to use a hammer. Dude, he wasn't like... Because I think you just hit it. He was missing the nail. So he was missing the nail. Yeah, like, bro, it was whack, okay? That's that's all I gotta say. But like, oh, yeah, bro, you don't want to hit your hand. Yeah, so just don't hit your hand, bro. Oh, thanks, I'll do that. <laughs> <laughs> like, bro... Like, yeah, oh, yeah, I got you. You know what I... Like, bro, you can tell this dude doesn't, like... He never worked, like, construction a day or built something, bro, like... I don't know why you would. Because it just happens sometimes. Anyways. Go ahead. Anyways, Simon is being classist towards me right now. No, but no. Um, they, they're building some houses and they're doing some work for their community. Which, by the way, stay tuned for upcoming Playmakers interviews. because And for anybody who wants to interview with us, know for the future, we're going to be asking you about what you're doing for your community. Because being an athlete is more than what you do on the field. And... You know, I well, we, at least our expectations is that you do more to give back to the game, right? And be a good person. Like, we'll evaluate your game, but also as a person, character matters. So just know that character does matter. I've done some. I I haven't done some breakdowns because of character problems. So me too. So well, we've collectively just passed up, and that's our discussion because yeah. it's our show. So deal with it. So yeah, be a good person. Like Lance Lejean and, and those Warren Easton players. And, you know, they're they're dialing it in, right? Like, they're doing this community thing, but they're talking like, hey, like, we know what we have to do. The motivation has set in after this L they took against Edna Carr. Like, they're like, hey, we're going to the Superdome. Yeah. That's non-negotiable. We are getting there no matter what. Like They're going to win. They're, they're manifesting it really hard. And I think that's exactly what they need to do. And Simon, I'll let you kind of end us on this this note from Coach Phillips. So, it, you know, it's one of those end of practice speeches. So the only thing that he says that really matters, in my opinion, and really should only matter to all these players as well, is if you want to be a trailblazer, hold up a trophy. Because he's talking about all the guys who came through the program. They're great players. They're high prospect players. And obviously... When you are building a program as a coach, you know, this is just from a coach's perspective, you want to develop great players. Because when you do that, then colleges start looking at you, they start giving you a little bit more clout, and then you eventually, you know, earn that reputation of, hey, they're a football school. Like, they're, these dudes are for real. You know what I'm saying? 
And that's cool. But here's the thing. Ain't no thing without no ring. So you need a ring and you need championships to back this up. You could be as great as possible. That's... <coughs> With as many great players as possible. Like a Dakota Ridge. You could be like Dakota Ridge and have all these winning seasons and great players. But nobody really cares unless you win. You know what I'm saying? Because other than that, look, without trophies, you basically just have a list. That's it. No no championships. Like, because you aren't going to, what are you going to do? Hang district like banners? Like, this ain't the Colts, bruh. Like, you got to. You gotta have something to, you know, to stand for. Like, a trophy is a trophy, right? A state championship it trophy speaks for itself. It's a trophy, yeah. Ain't nobody want to look at a list of NFL players and be like, oh, oh, a Manning went here and Odell went here. Like, that's cool, bro. But nobody really cares if you don't have a ring and if you don't have a trophy. Cares about your program. Because he's talking about the program, that is. Players and legacies, that's a whole thing, but... When it comes down to the program and the family that you're playing for and the culture that you're building too because you're a part of it, that all comes down to a trophy, whether you get it or not. And if you don't, then you're just another list of names that someone's going to put up somewhere and this gets burnt. That's how that goes. Or you lose them. But it's a lot harder to lose a trophy. So we'll just end it right there. Yeah, we'll see if... Warren Easton can figure something out and get into a position to win the state championship and get through the mob of playoff games that awaits them. We'll learn more on Nick Scalzo's situation in future, as well as Spencer Rattler coming up on the last episode of QB1, where we will do, you know, our final episode and then kind of a recap for our two segments. We'll have like probably a two segment thing going on and then stay tuned for more breakdowns of players from this QB1 season or any other QB1 season. Honestly, if you have any players specifically that you want us to break down from these episodes or these seasons, just let us know. Request them. Put them in the comments. But that does it for this episode of the Playmakers Corner. I have been your host, Cody Stoffer. I'm the other one, Coach B. And make sure to follow us on Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook. And subscribe to our podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Until then... Later.